North Idaho now this is episode 181 for November 11th 2022 happy veterans day everybody chance Watson bringing you the news today this episode is brought to you by Hecla mining company Hecla mining company is a leading low-cost silver producer with operating silver mines in Alaska Idaho and Mexico and is a growing gold producer with operating mines in Quebec Canada and Nevada they are the largest primary silver producer in the U.S., responsible for one-third of the silver produced in our nation. Their philosophy is to operate mines safely by promoting a deeply rooted value-based culture, leveraging mining skills developed over the company's long history, and by innovating new practices. To learn more about Hecla Mining Company, please visit HeclaMining.com. This episode is also brought to you by Black Sheep Sporting Goods. Home of the lowest prices on all things outdoors since 1975, Black Sheep Sporting Goods is your one-stop shop for all your camping, fishing, hunting, and clothing needs. Open Monday through Saturday from 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. and Sundays from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Check out Black Sheep's new location in the Silver Lake Mall. Be sure to grab an entry form from any cashier for Black Sheep's annual Big Game event. All Big Game entries must be harvested between August 31st and December 4th, 24th rather, 2022. Prizes will be awarded by random drawing. Size of rack doesn't determine a winner and the entry must meet all state and federal laws. Black Sheep Sporting Goods, award-winning selection and customer service since 1975. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. Happy to have you with us. Going right into the weekend. Hope you guys have some fun plans. Maybe uh, enjoy the the snow that's coming down, the cold weather. Not just kidding. Uh, well, not for maybe. Some people might enjoy this type of weather. Uh, perhaps myself, because it's hockey season. No, I sound like a broken record. I apologize. Won't even get into that. Uh, once again, happy Veterans Day, everybody. Thank you for your service. If you did serve in our armed forces... Also, happy birthday, happy belated birthday to the Marines. That was yesterday uh, on November 10th. Uh, lots of lots of military stuff going on today. Uh, one of the one of the things I liked most about uh, living out in the Silver Valley was they they got to fire off the big howitzer, uh, the big artillery piece in the middle of Kellogg uh, every every November 11th. That was really cool. That was one of the fun things that they did uh, out there too to honor that Veterans Memorial and uh, all those who have who have served for our country. All right, everybody, I'm not going to talk too much because we have a very jam-packed episode today. Uh, first off, I'm going to warm you up with a fantastic interview that I've been teasing for a little while. Uh, a great interview with local musician Carly Osika. Uh, she won multiple awards at the North Idaho CMAs. You even heard a little bit of her uh, singing in the intro music here. Uh, great interview with her. We're going to jump into that. And then after, we're going to go into our Coeur d'Alene Post Falls Press headlines, our Shoshone News Press headlines, Sandpoint headlines, and Bonner's Ferry Herald headlines. Uh, as you may or may not have known, uh, this week was Election Week, Election Tuesday. So we've this is a heavy episode on election coverage. So uh, we, we definitely have some other stories mixed in there for sure. But uh, if you're not interested in any of uh, any of the election stuff, uh, just you know, most most uh, most music apps or uh, podcatchers have a little skip 15 seconds or 30 seconds. I just just power through those and get to the other other stuff in the news. Uh, don't don't blame me even a little bit. Uh, can be dry sometimes. I certainly am going to read some a few numbers here. But if you are interested in the election results, but just haven't been able to get your 
get yourself a copy of one of the papers or jump online uh, or just see something on Facebook, you can listen in and we will have all of the hard details for you in this show. All right, without further ado, let's jump into our interview with Carly Osika. Welcome in, Carly. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I, I just learned about you recently from the CMAs, actually, because we were just <laughs> before these mics even went, uh, went hot. We were talking about how you've just been recently discovered. Yeah, yeah, by the whole the whole crew that does the CMA <laughs> thing. I just, I don't know what it is. I've been playing in the Coeur d'Alene area for a decade, maybe a little over a decade now. I started when I was like 15 playing venues around town. Wow. And I guess I've just been so busy playing my own gigs. I've sure. never met any of these guys That's <laughs> until crazy. recently. That's crazy. Well, good, a good group to know. Yeah, for sure. Um, you're starting to know them well. Uh, the CMAs. You kind of you you did you did pretty well there. Yeah, it went <laughs> better than I expected for sure. Um, I I actually was joking with my family before we showed up there because my parents went with me and I'm kind of like a an eternal runner up. Like ah, <laughs> every, yes. every competition that I'm ever in, I'm like second or third place. Sure, and I don't like. I don't know what it is. I'm, just, you know, ne- never quite first place. <laughs> and it, we were joking because this is the first year I think that they've done the runner-up trophies sure. yeah, yeah. and like announced the runner-up. And I was like, watch me be runner-up in every category. <laughs> and so we did the. I think the order they announced everything in. I got like first it was runner-up for song of the year, and then it was runner-up for favorite songwriter. Okay, so you're and already. And then I got my. I actually won one category, uh-huh. favorite solo artist, yeah. and I was totally prepared to just be runner up and everything. And it sure. was so funny to me. But <laughs> I'll say in the photo that we saw that we ran with the story, uh, that looked like a quite a bit of hardware. I know. I I, I ended up with a lot of trophies because um, the <laughs> runner up trophy thing really right. really saved Drove me. Drove that right? home. Yeah. <laughs> but I did win one category, which I was surprised about because usually. Um, Anything that relies heavily on popular vote. Like, mm-hmm. I just, I don't know, you know, I'm out here doing this for a long time, but I, and I get a great reaction at my gigs and stuff, but sure. I just have had a hard time, like, building a super loyal following in the area. Mm-hmm. So I was really surprised that something that relied so heavily on a popularity popular vote, contest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I usually am not the winner of the popularity contest. Sure. So I was surprised. Well, how do you feel about winning it? <laughs> I'm, pleasantly surprised it's it's really nice to kind of get in on that whole crowd and have a little bit of validation that people are apparently paying attention and liking what i'm putting out there it's really nice to because you know i'm i'm relatively confident in myself like i know i've got something good going on but you know it just it's hard to build up the the following and kind of get to a point where people are appreciating what you're putting out there so it's nice to have a little bit of recognition <laughs> yes uh, correct me if i'm wrong you also played out in kellogg yes, yes. yeah okay I've, I've been traveling around quite a bit lately um i used to kind of stick mostly just in Coeur and spokane mm-hmm. but since i've moved back up here um i was in nashville for a few years and since i've moved back up here i've been kind of branching out i'm out there in the silver valley a lot and priest lake and kind of widening my radius a little bit <laughs> that's that's the first time that i saw you i was covering one of the uh, farmer's markets oh gotcha yeah, out there yeah small world small world yeah um, so are you originally from north idaho 
Um, I was born in Missoula okay. and grew up in Coeur d'Alene. Uh, gotcha. Both my parents are from Idaho, so the Montana thing was just kind of a short little sure. blip in the timeline. But sure. yeah, that's basically the same. Thing. Yeah, that's what I always figure. <laughs> I always say I'm from Idaho because I don't even remember the Montana part really sure. anyway. So sure. How'd you get into music? <laughs> you know, that's always a hard question for me to answer. I don't know if I really got into music mm. as much as I just like was into music. Oh. I don't really remember the beginning, but as it's been told to me, like as soon as I figured out I could make sounds, mm. I was singing and mm. it just kind of was a really natural thing to me. Um, and I did have, I had an uncle or have an uncle, he's still around, um, that played guitar. And I thought it was so cool. And I think he was part of the inspiration for me to want to learn an instrument. Gotcha. So I, but the singing has kind of always The singing been, was, oh, that yeah. came first. Yeah, for okay. sure. For sure. The singing is the main. What was, what was the time difference between the, like the singing's always been there. How long until the mute, the, the, the instruments came, came about? So I'm told that I was singing before I could even really talk. Okay. Um, Impressive. and I believe I was in second grade when I started learning guitar. So a decent gap in there, but sure. I still, you know, I was, I was young when I got into trying to learn guitar. So sure. How'd that process go? It's, you know, it's really cool. I think being a kid learning to play an instrument because you just like don't care that you suck. <laughs> and right. I think, right. I think that's the key to figuring it out. Cause now as an adult, like I've tried to learn piano and it seems mm. like it should be easy because piano makes more sense than guitar logically. Sure. Like it's in order. These a are the buttons, hit the buttons in yeah. a certain order. Yeah. yeah. It seems like it should make more sense, but I just get so mad that I'm not immediately good at it. And I just, <laughs> I can't, I can't stick to it long enough to really get anywhere. Cause I'm like, I just want to be good at it. Sure. So it's, I think it's really cool to learn as a kid. Gotcha. Um, but honestly, I think I've always been so much more, committed to the singing aspect of it. Mm. I'm still not a great guitar player. Sure. I can play well enough to accompany myself yeah. and get through. To get by. Yeah. I, I can I can do well enough, but that's about as far as I ever made it. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, so did you do choir and all that kind of stuff going through school? Not really. I did like elementary school okay. choir yeah. and sure. I did do... I played clarinet in the band in middle school okay. for a semester, maybe a year... But I was never super involved. Tough to sing while in... also playing the clarinet. Yeah, yeah, yeah that is. Hasn't, a... <laughs> haven't mastered that skill just yet. Not, not quite. I didn't <laughs> never figure that one out. Um, yeah, I don't know. I was never super involved in like school music. I think because I just kind of wanted to do my own thing. I already had an idea of what type of music I wanted to play and yeah. what I wanted to do, and I just for whatever reason never really got into the school choir or people ask me all the time if sure. I sang in church growing up, that was never a thing. Nope. So <laughs> I just kind of have always done my own little thing. Um, I did get into a program as a teenager, um, Coeur d'Alene Rock School, which doesn't exist anymore. Now there's North Idaho Rock School, which is a really similar thing mm -hmm. run by a different crowd. But mm -hmm. um Kent Nelson was the guy that ran that program. And I think that really kind of launched me okay. into public performance. Because up to that gotcha. point, I had done... When was that? That was... I think I was a sophomore in high school okay. when I started um, in that program. And 
you know, some of it I was just playing solo at the shows that mm-hmm. the bands were playing at. And then I had my own band. We were kind of like a like a Green Day cover band, basically. Oh, okay. <laughs> Which is kind of funny if you when was that? If you know what I play now. That was high yeah. school. Okay. Um, what, was, what was the band's name? We were called Minor Disturbance. Get it? Minor? Ah, we were under that is pretty clever. It took us forever to come up with that. It was, a, we, we didn't have a name. There's like, a time the, limit on that, man, that <laughs> yeah, band name. But. Yeah. We didn't have a name like the first three or four gigs we played. So he'd get up there and introduce us and be like, this is ball of yarn. This is burnt toast. Right. <laughs> Just like making make up something name. stupid up. Yeah. So we finally landed on minor disturbance which is also kind of a goofy yes name but Love that. it was great. it was super fun i i really enjoyed the whole band aspect um and you know one of my bandmates is still he plays in a um a metal band in no spokane nice um so you know some of us are still playing around town and doing our thing and it's, it was kind of a cool i think that's what launched me into performing publicly and kind of got me into you know from there I started getting my own solo gigs around town and now here I am doing it five six days a week through the summer and staying relatively busy through the winter now too so awesome that's awesome so you're going along you're developing you know your voice uh, learning to play instruments that kind of thing you're in a band does that kind of also correlate with like you trying to figure out what your genre is yeah and you know because I, I do, still... I do, I've heard you sing now recently. It, it's not Green Day. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to be like a cool alternative, like rock and roll kind of sure. girl, but I just don't think that's what my voice and my writing style, mm. I don't think um, that's what I am. It's not angsty enough. Yeah. And you know, <laughs> I've, I've, I still have a hard time like really narrowing down exactly what my genre is okay because i like a lot of different music like i listen to a lot of different stuff and there's a lot of different stuff that i like to cover you know at my Mm -hmm. my solo gigs i mostly play covers i squeeze some of my own stuff in there but people like to hear things they know already so and i have a wide variety of different stuff i think is fun to cover so it's been actually really difficult for me to like pick something and stick with it. <laughs> gotcha. So if I asked you what you thought your genre was, the answer is... I say pop country. Okay. Um, But even that, I hesitate because I think that puts like a picture in people's minds that isn't exactly what I'm doing. Sure. And it's hard for me, you know, like I know what I'm going for, but I don't know what other people perceive it as right. too. So it's an interesting thing. And I started, like, the first music that I wrote was pretty straight pop. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I kind of veered off more to the country mm-hmm. side. Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know, you know? I still don't know how to answer people when they're That's like, fair. what kind of music do you play? I'm like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> music is... Just wait and see. <laughs> right, right. We'll figure it out. Let me know what you think. <laughs> um Talking, so this more this development, talking about genre, you said songwriting. Yeah. Okay, yeah. when did that come about? I think the first song I remember writing, I think I was a freshman in high school. Okay. Um, that was when I kind of started to sit down and really try to, yeah. I, I, there might have been a little bit before was that. Was this like, for the band? Um, no, th- it was always a solo thing. Okay. okay. Um, I think I had written, like I remember a project I did in seventh or eighth grade where I 
wrote a song for mm-hmm. like a science project. It was mm-hmm. a song about um, Pluto not being a planet anymore. Like, <laughs> like a sad song like about that. Pluto getting kicked out of the planet club. I like that. <laughs> That's so good. But I don't think I like seriously tried to write a song until my freshman year of high school. I th- I think. Um, hey, there's a lot of people that get real heated about Pluto being a planet. Yeah, okay. it, it's a you know, it's a very it's contentious a, topic. It's a sad thing. It's, <laughs> all this time, Pluto was over here thinking it was a planet, right? And now we just kicked it out of the club. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think early high school was okay. when I really seriously started trying to get into writing. Did you also pick this up pretty quick with the other stuff as well? Yeah, I think um, it's interesting because I've always kind of had imposter syndrome about it Mm. like i i think still even maybe i'm a better writer than i think i am (laughs) it's an interesting uh thing to go through because i'm very critical of myself and i think um around the same time that i started writing i was interested in recording some Mm -hmm. of the stuff that i had written and i ended up meeting um dan conrad who also plays around Spokane, um, and he writes as well and does some recording and production and everything, and we started writing together a lot, and he's another one that's super critical of himself, Mm -hmm. so we just kind of, like, feed off each other and just, like, we could work on... When I recorded my EP and he produced the whole thing, like, I would sing the same line 50 times and we'd be like did I say that weird? Was that kind of, was that kind of, did that sound weird? Should we do that again? Like just super nitpicky. Sure. And I think I've never really gotten where I can just be like, I'm good. Like I'm yeah. a good writer. Right. I have some songs that I think are really good. Yeah. And I can be like, yeah, that song turned out great. But for some reason, every time I go into writing another song, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm, I don't know if this is as good as it could be. It could be better. Right. It's an interesting, um, that's pretty common though. Yeah. I think, I think it's kind of an artistic, sure. Like a common trait in artistic people. Always striving to be better. Yeah. Yeah. Very, or there's something there that could be added or subtracted or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get that. (laughs) 100%. What's your, um, of the songs you've written, what's your favorite? Um, of the ones that I've put out, I have two favorites. Okay. Uh, my most recent single, Whiskey and Him, which is what I played at the right. awards ceremony. And that's, Another category that you were in. Yeah, that was runner-up uh, song You were nominated year. in quite a bit. I was. I was nominated, I think, in five categories, yeah. which is already crazy because even getting nominated is sure. a popular vote thing. Yes. So I was already kind of shocked that mm-hmm. I even got nominated for right. that many categories. Right. <laughs> um, but that one is one of my favorites. Um, I wrote that one with Dan Conrad and our friend Diamond um, in Nashville a few years ago. That's one of my favorite ones that I'm most proud of. And then um, I Don't Really Want to Know is the name of the other one that I I think largely the production of that one I just think is so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really proud of that one too. Awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, why? I just think it's, it's interesting. I think it's a little bit different um, than a lot of the stuff that you hear on the radio, I feel like it's a little bit unique. Sure. Um, and my buddy that produced it for me, um, I, I tracked that one in Nashville and my buddy mm-hmm. Nick DiMaria um, did that whole production and recording sure. for me. Um, and he's a really cool guy too. I think he's, he's just got a really interesting 
perspective. Like I had next to no vision for what I thought the production of that song should be. Sure. That's not my field of expertise at all. The production stuff, like off your pre- radar, pretty foreign to sure, me. I, sure. <laughs> I know my limitations. That's, that's Absolutely. not my thing. It was very self-aware. And yes. so I, I brought that to him and I was kind of like, I don't really know, um, you know, what I have in mind for this. And he made this track and I was like, that's so cool. Mm-hmm. I never would have come up with that, but that's kind of, now that I'm hearing it, I'm like, I kind of think that could be the direction I want to go in. Right. So I'm just really, really proud of how that turned out and that it's a little bit, you know, I think a lot of um, country artists, like undiscovered independent artists, especially in country, try to kind of use the template that mm-hmm. you yes. know you you listen to country radio and a lot of those songs kind of have the same elements mm-hmm. and sound very mm-hmm. similar mm-hmm. and i think a lot of people try to stick in that formula of what works for yes. country radio and i don't really care <laughs> right that, that sounds that sounds bad but i i'm at a point where like i'm doing this because i think it's really fun yeah. and i like doing it and i don't even necessarily want to ever be like a famous mm-hmm. touring act or sure. whatever i don't think i would like that you know mm. and so i'm just trying to do something that i think is cool and interesting and that song i think turned out cool and interesting and a little awesome. bit different and that you obviously enjoy too yeah yeah Awesome. Carly, what's uh, what's the next step? You know, I don't really know because I'm, like I said, I'm in a place where, like, I'm not really trying to get discovered sure. or, you know, people all the time are like, why don't you go try out for The Voice sure. or why don't you? And I I did spend, I lived in Nashville for a few years. Yeah. Um, and at the time that I moved down there, I thought that that's what I wanted to do. Okay. Um, Because I think people just kind of assume, like, I don't know if I ever really thought about it. I knew I wanted to do music long term, Mm. um, but I don't know if I ever really thought about if I would like, you know, being the artist. Sure. Until I went down there and saw, you know, 50 of my friends that are just as talented or better than I am that have been working their butts off for 5, 10, 15 years down there and, like, you know, spend every dollar they make into recording stuff and putting stuff out and advertising and it just doesn't go anywhere. Right. Like, I, I don't want to beat it to death until I don't even like making sure. music anymore. Sure. I want to do it because it's fun. You want to and keep it fun. Yeah. And I really I really like playing around this area and especially like the CMA thing was cool for me because it is really nice to have people listening to your music mm-hmm. and appreciating it yep. and I love that crowd definitely is going to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I love that there are people, you know, a little bit more eyes on what I'm doing. And so I think I'm really just continuing to write music. And I've got another um, single coming up. Okay. It's still in the works. Um, My producer I was telling you about, he, uh, we, we tracked vocals and then he like, he plays in a band, he plays Mm -hmm. guitar and 
they've been off on tour, like, opening for Chris Stapleton. He played the Today Show yesterday or the day before. Impressive. Like, he's out there doing all this crazy cool stuff, which is awesome. That's awesome. But it's slowing down our process a little bit for getting my my stuff out. So um, I don't know when it's coming. Hopefully the end of this month. Gotcha. Um, I'll have it done and kind of ready to roll out. So that's kind of my plan right now is I'm just going to keep playing and doing what I love to do and putting music out and hopefully – you know, hopefully people around here will kind of start to take notice of what I'm doing and listen to it and enjoy it. And that's really all that I'm trying to do right now. Like, awesome. I think um, long term, like the best thing that could happen is, you know, I sell something I wrote to Miranda Lambert or something. <laughs> right, 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 right. It goes crazy and nobody ever knows who I am. Sure. But, she, you know, the song is out there. Like, right. I think that would be really cool. Um, but I also know that most of the time for that to happen, you got to be in Nashville grinding every day. And I just, I love it up here. I love living here. My husband's from here too, and he loves it here. And, you know, I just don't know if I want that bad enough to, you know, compromise everything else. So I'm just kind of out here having a good time writing what I want to write and, recording it the way I want to do it and it's keeping it's, it something you enjoy. Yeah, and it's nice to have the freedom cuz you know when you're like trying to make it as an artist, you kind of have like all these people in your ear like telling you what they think you need sure. to change or adjust or how to approach it um in the best way to yeah. you know make a label. Mhm look at you and fit think, it you know, fit it to yeah what like they this want. is a product we can sell yeah. and i that's not really <laughs> what you're looking for. um yeah i just don't like the way that feels i like to do what's true to me and sure. what i think um makes me feel good and if something cool happens something cool Great. happens if it doesn't <laughs> at least i'm having a good time <laughs> awesome awesome well carly uh if people wanted to hear more about your stuff how would they go about doing that um, you can look me up on Spotify, Apple Music, all the all the standard, all the usual suspects. Yep, yeah. all the standard streaming platforms. I'm on Instagram and TikTok and Facebook and awesome all of that stuff. It's all under Carly Osika. So, just gotcha. My name C A R L I O S I K A. Perfect. It's a hard one to spell. Well, thank you. I, no, I, that's good to do. Good for me to know too. <laughs> um, any upcoming gigs? Uh, yeah, I'm at the Coeur d'Alene Casino this weekend, Friday, Saturday. Oh, cool. Um, I'm at the Midtown Market, mm-hmm. um, holiday event Sunday, and then I'm taking a couple weeks off. My nice. husband's coming home from a year long deployment. Oh, wow. So I'm taking two weeks to kind of relax and hang out. But, um, yeah, I'm really excited about that. But I always post my schedule on Facebook and Instagram. So perfect. I'm, I'm pretty much always playing somewhere every week. Very reachable. Gotcha. Yes. yes. There are lots of opportunities. <laughs> awesome. Carly, thanks for coming in. Thank and, you. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you. Initial success or total failure? Mad Bomber Brewing Company, located at 9265 North Government Way in Hayden, Idaho, is a veteran-owned and operated business that has been serving North Idaho since 2013. The ninth anniversary party is set for tomorrow, Saturday, November 12th, from noon to 9 p.m. Come celebrate with the Bomber crew and taste this year's edition of the famous anniversary beer, The Black Hand. 
This 9% Imperial Stout was aged in a Maker's Mark bourbon barrel and has heavy notes of chocolate, roasted barley, vanilla, and oak. Come check out the live music, food truck, and prize giveaways that will be offered all day long. Mad Bomber Brewing also offers a wide selection of ciders for those who may not want beer. Located near Triple Play, come by and mention the podcast when you order to receive $1 off your first beer. Mad Bomber Brewing, recklessly brewed in Hayden, Idaho. That takes into Coeur Post Falls Press headlines for Thursday, November 10th. Headline, split results in NIC trustee races. This by Kay Thornbrew. The contentious battle over three seats on, no, on North Idaho's College Board of Trustees resulted in a split victory for one slate of candidates. The election is likely to shape NIC's policies as one of the newly elected candidates is poised to form a majority block with existing trustees with ties to the Kootenai County Republican Central Committee. Terry Zimmerman defeated Ron Hartman in Zone 1 with more than 28,000 votes and 51% overall. Zimmerman was unable for com- unavailable for comment, and Hartman could not be reached. Brad Corkill won in Zone 2 by just 442 votes, leading Diana Sheardin 50.4% to 49.6%. Nearly 4,000 votes separated the Zone 5 candidates. Mike Wagner received about 53% of the vote, beating Pete Roger in his bid to retain the seat to which he was appointed earlier this year. Quote, I'm a little disappointed, as anyone would be, Roger said Wednesday night, but if it's the will of the voters, then it's the will of the voters. Wagner cannot be reached for comment. Two dueling packs define the contest. Friends of NIC, which backed Brochet, Corkill, and Zimmerman, declined to comment on the unofficial results reported late Wednesday. The Kootenai County GOP supported Hartman, Wagner, and Sheardin. The Central Committee also backed current trustees Todd Banducci and Greg McKenzie, meaning the party needed just one victory for its preferred candidates to regain a majority on the board. Brent Regan, who chairs the local Republican Party, said candidates supported by the Central Committee performed well, both locally and statewide. Quote, overall, I'm delighted, he said of Wednesday's results. After the Northwest Commission on Colleges and Universities sanctioned NIC with a warning earlier this year, the college's accreditation has been the center of the three trustee races. Corkill, Zimmerman, and Brochet com- campaigned on promises to protect NIC's accreditation. Brochet was one of the three candidates temporarily appointed to the board by the Idaho State Board of Education. Quote, I think the appointed trustees accomplished quite a bit of satisfying the accreditation issues with the NWCCU laid out, he said. That included hiring a permanent president, implementing a board conduct policy, and working toward filling vacant executive positions at the college. But he cautioned that there are more work. there's more work to be done. In its warning, the NWCCU cited persistent issues specifically related to the board of trustees. Quote, in the short term, I'd like to see the board work together to resolve some issues and build community trust, Bruchet said. On the other hand, Hartman, Wagner, and Sheridan have maintained that the college's accreditation is not at risk. Regan agreed, quote, all that rhetoric was crazy, he said. None of that is going to happen. That was never really an issue. That was a campaign threat. That's contrary to what the state said, but whatever. In the next meeting of the NIC Board of Trustees is scheduled for November 30th. All right, moving on. Watching, waiting, and refreshing. This by Maureen Dolan. It was a long night of counting ballots Tuesday, which extended well into Wednesday and Wednesday night for Kootenai County Clerk Jim Brannon and the county's election staff. For voters eager for results, it meant hours of clicking the refresh button on Kootenai County's election results page on the Idaho Secretary of State's website. Final results were not available until around 6 p.m. Polls closed at 8 p.m. Tuesday and by early Wednesday morning. 
Just 5,311 votes had been reported as counted, representing the early in-person votes. By around 7 a.m., 38,329 votes had been counted. As, they d- as the day progressed, the number rose to 61,937 votes counted, with 98.6% of the county's 73 precincts reporting. The final results revealed a voter turnout of 63,231, representing 61.27% of the county's registered voters. Okay, over half. That's not bad. Brandon told the press Wednesday that the delay was due to improperly filled out ballots and the write-in races, of which there were three, the governor, the secretary of state, and the Kootenai assessor. Quote, approximately one in every five and a half ballots, between five and six ballots, had a write-in candidate on it, Brandon said. He and Jennifer Locke, who ran unopposed for county clerk and will replace Brandon, who is retiring, send the ballots with write-ins require additional processing. Quote, the ballot has to go to adjudication. We are currently running five duplication boards, and we are down to 377 ballots to be adjudicated, Brandon said around 2 p.m. Wednesday. That adjudication process is a manual review to determine what the voter's intent was, and those ballots are recreated accordingly by election staff so that they can be run through the tabulators. Other ballots with issues, like improperly filled in circles, corrections made by voters who crossed out a candidate's name and then voted for a different candidate and writing in the margins, must be reviewed in the same manner and duplicated so that the process so it can be processed by the machine. Brandon said Wednesday afternoon that he was recruiting employees for other county departments to help with the process. For most of the most of the day Wednesday, the results stood with 98.6% of the precincts reported and with one precinct unreported, which Brandon described as a sizable precinct in Post Falls. Brandon said around 2 p.m. that from a, quote, purely statistical point of view, the only race he thought could change once the precinct was counted was the Zone 2 North Idaho College trustee election between candidates Brad Corkill and Diana Sheardon. At 98.6% reporting, Corkill had 27,144 votes, or 50.51%, and Sheardon trailed by 552 votes with 26,592 votes, or 49.49%. Brandon said many absentee ballots came in close to the Tuesday 8 p.m. deadline, which also added to the intensity of effort required of county election workers. Quote, we received almost 1,100 absentee ballots on election day and 1,380 the day before, he said. Brandon had said Monday that he anticipated the write-in ballots would create a delay and that he hoped for results by 5.30 a.m. Bonner County was the only other one of Idaho's 44 counties that did not report final results until after 4 a.m. Wednesday. That ca- that county's final results were reported around 6.15 a.m. We'll get into Bonner County's uh, results here in a little while. Moving on, Hayden Levy passes. This is by Joseph Snow. The law enforcement levy on the ballot for the city of Hayden passed with 63.62% of the vote on Tuesday. Quote, the residents of Hayden recognize the need for greater public safety in their city, said Kootenai County Sheriff Bob Norris. I am pleased to have the community's support as we continue to provide safety and keep the peace. The approval of the levy means that for the fir- for the fiscal year starting October 1st, 2023, the Hayden budget will increase by 543843 to cover an additional six sheriff deputies assigned to Hayden. That would accommodate more than one deputy on duty in the city, so deputies will have a backup for improved safety and fully fund one school resource officer. Quote, With this passage, we'll begin the next steps of our public safety efforts, said Hayden Mayor Scott Forsell. Quote, we'll be working with the sheriff's department during the upcoming fiscal year to implement this directive and get more officers on the ground. 
In April, the Hayden City Council commissioned an independent citizen task force to objectively review the Hayden Police Force, and its recommendations were urgently in support of an immediate levy. There were concerns that Hayden citizens could reject a, pro a property tax rate increase, but in the end, the task force thought it would be best to put the vote to the people, said the task force spokesperson Nancy Jones. The levy only covers the salaries of the deputies, and Kootenai County will pick up the onboarding costs of training supplies, a vehicle, and vehicle acquisition, Norris said. Even with the passage, Hayden still has the lowest tax rate in the county. Citizens will pay point, uh, 16 cents more per $1,000 of assessed property value, increasing the city's levy rate to 71 cents per $1,000 total. For a home worth $500,000, that would cost the property owner about $81.10 per year. With the increased staffing, Hayden will no longer draw as much support from the county for incidents that require backup in the city that the dedicated deputies will allow Hayden to be more independent in providing its own public safety. Well, good for them. Moving on, embattled Kootenai County Assessor retains office. This by Kay Thornbrew. After an election cycle marked by sharp criticism for his staff, an unprecedented pay cut, and a lawsuit, Kootenai County Assessor Bella Kovacs was victorious Wednesday in his bid to retain his office over write-in candidate Bob Scott. Meanwhile, Republican incumbent Leslie Duncan won the county's only contested commissioner race, defeating Democratic challenger Reuben Miranda by a wide margin. Kovacs received about 75% of the vote. He did not respond to requests for comment Wednesday. Scott received more than 12,800 write-in votes. Quote, we did have a really great result in spite of not winning, he said. We can all be proud of what we did. It was the second bout between Kovacs and Scott. They previously faced off in the Republican primary election where Kovacs garnered about 57% of the vote. Scott said he knew the general election was destined to be an uphill battle without his name on the ballot and with an opponent backed by the Kootenai County GOP. But he said it was worth the fight. In letters submitted to the press before the May primary election, more than 30 current and former assessor office employees asked the public not to vote for Kovacs, calling him a detriment to the office. Staff cited Kovacs' inexperience, disinterest in the daily workings of the office, and alleged disrespect for his employees as reasons for their lack of support. Kovacs contended that the staff's complaints were politically motivated. Kovacs received fewer votes than any other Republican candidate running for county office. In the uncontested race for District 2 County Commissioner, Clerk, Treasurer, and Coroner, the Republican candidates each received between 50,000 and 51,000 votes, while Kovacs had earned about 40,500. Duncan received about 46,000 votes in the race for District 3 County Commissioner. She defeated Democratic challenger Reuben Miranda, who got about 14,400 votes. Duncan ran unopposed in the Republican primary election. She was the first elected to the board in 2018 and serves as chairman. Last month, Kovacs sued Kootenai County, asking a court to restore the salary that commissioners voted unanimously to cut in half due to his failure to perform the duties of his office. Effective October 1st, Kovacs' salary dropped from about $90,000 per year to $45,000 per year. A status conference in the case is scheduled for late November. Duncan confirmed Wednesday that salaries for elected officials are set once a year as part of the budget process, so the results of the general election will have no impact on Kovacs' pay. Boy, that's pretty good when you don't do your job and still get there. All right, moving on. Friday, November 11th, Cooney Health Leaders Will Not Attend Forum. This is by Maureen Dolan. 
A town hall meeting billed as an opportunity to discuss the future of Kootenai Health with hospital leaders will be missing something. Quote, Katie Brody, chair of the Kootenai County Health Board of Trustees, and John Ness, CEO of Kootenai Health, respectfully declined the invitation from the Kootenai County Republican Women Federated, said Kim Anderson, communications director for Kootenai Health. Carla Matter, president of the Republican Women's Group, invited Kootenai Health trustees and Ness to be featured to be featured panel speakers at the event slated for 10 a.m. Saturday at New Life Church in Rathrum. Matter wrote that other panel contributors included state legislators, quote, which will be available to discuss House Bill 603 and the intent behind that legislation. House Bill 603 is now Idaho law after being passed almost unanimously in Boise earlier this year during the last legislative session, introduced by Representative Rod Furness of Rigby. It updated it updates a statute to allow public district hospitals like Kootenai Health to transition to nonprofits. It went into effect July 1st. Idaho Representative Ron Mendev, Tony Wisniewski, and Vito Barbarelli, and Doug Aukenwitz. Oh, yep. Mm hmm. Yep. O K U N I E W I C Z. That is quite the name you have there, uh, Representative. Are all invited panel members at the forum being hosted Saturday by the Kootenai County Republican Women Federated? Each of these North Idaho legislators voted in favor of House Bill 603, which was presented to them with the following written statement of purpose. Quote, this legislation updates statutes to allow district hospitals the same options already available to county hospitals to lease or sell property to a qualified nonprofit for the continuity of service in the community. It provides options for district hospitals to enable them to address future fiscal challenges. Kootenai Health officials told the press in September that they were considering making the move to a 501c3 and that they were initiating an in-depth evaluation before making a decision. Quote, I think our board actually has an obligation to evaluate whether this is a good idea, Ness said in September. In a November 9th letter to Matter, Kootenai Health trustee Brody and CEO Ness declined the invitation to attend Saturday's forum. They wrote that discussing the situation publicly would be premature. Quote, engaging in a town hall before our board has received a full analysis would not provide the full context needed to have the most productive discussion, they wrote. Anderson said Thursday that she understands Kootenai Health trustee Steve Matheson's plan to attend the event. He will not be speaking for the hospital. Once the white paper is available, it will be posted at kh.org forward slash 501c3 and shared with anyone interested in learning more about the scope of the potential transition. Kootenai Health established the, the website webpage two months ago. It included detailed information about the process, including frequently updated FAQs and an email address where community members can send questions. That would be questions at kh.org. Today, Kootenai Health has not received a single emailed question asking about the 501c3 evaluation. Matter told the press on Thursday that even though Kootenai Health's board members and CEO will not be in attendance, Saturday's forum will still take place. All right, moving on. Leaf Fest gets a rain check. Uh, it's a clever headline you got there, Bill. This is by Bill Bewley. Citizens of Coeur d'Alene, you can stop pushing leaves into streets. The city won't be coming for them, not as scheduled on Monday, and likely not until next year. Todd Fusier, director of the Streets and Engineering Department, said Thursday that Leaf Fest has been postponed. Leaf Fest, love that. He said it was a difficult decision, but one that had to be made, especially with more snow expected next week. Leaf Fest was slated to begin Monday and generally take about two weeks to complete a sweep of the city. Quote, the extended forecast of very cold temperatures is not conducive to a successful program, a press release said. The trees continue to hold their leaves, the ground temperature has dropped significantly, and the sweeping equipment will not be able to operate efficiently in the current conditions. 
Fusier said there is a chance the city could come from the for the leaves before Christmas, but it would be a quote long shot if it would it would take a perfect scenario of a sudden heat wave of sorts to melt the snow and ice and make a long break from snowfall. More likely, it won't be until next year, late winter, or early spring, which would, quote, afford the best opportunity to complete the program. He said the city has never canceled Leaf Fest, but has delayed it up to two weeks. Fusier said the city com- commits a lot of time, effort, and resources to Leaf Fest. It involves dump trucks, front-end loaders, and about 30 city staffers from three departments. They also rent equipment and contract with Cannon Hill Industries to have the leaves grind at the Coeur Airport. Residents have been pushing, throwing, raking, and snowblowing leaves into the street since November 1st. The snowfall totaling more than 7 inches in the first week of the month is now covering those leaves. Since lows have been in the teens and highs around freezing, the snow is sticking around. Many city neighborhoods are shaded. Quote, So the snow won't leave, and next week more snow is in the forecast, Fusier said. To try and pick up the leaves in such conditions, he said, would make a mess. Once the city shifts to a snowplow mode, it pretty much has to stick with it for the rest of the winter. Fusier said those who are already who had already pushed leaves into the streets and those who haven't are encouraged to take them to the Ramsey Road transfer station. The leaves that are left in the street will be pushed back when the city begins plowing. All right, well, that's good to know. All right, let's jump into Bonner County Daily Bee headlines coming out of Sandpoint for Wednesday, November 9th. Headline, Sandpoint Man Found Innocent. This is by Daniel Radford. Preston Lee Carter, 21, was acquitted September 7th after an Oregon jury unanimously found him innocent of multiple felony and misdemeanor sex charges. The jury verdict follows a 2020 grand jury indictment from uh, Harney County, which found reasonable suspicion to bring Carter up on 14 felony and misdemeanor sex charges. The charges included multiple courts of sexual accounts, rather, of sexual abuse in the first, second, and third degree, rape in the second and third degree, sexual misconduct, and contributing to the sexual delinquency of a minor, according to court documents. A 2020 criminal complaint against Carter alleges 14 sex crimes when the alleged victim was a middle schooler. The teen told investigators that Carter had committed several sex crimes against her. According to court documents, Carter told those he was residing with that he was being falsely accused of sexual misconduct and claims to have passed at a polygraph test at, with Oregon officials. Carter had previously faced similar charges in Bonner County, but he was found innocent on those charges as well. Carter's grandfather, Richard Carter, said his grandson's life has been irrevocably altered by the allegations. At each trial his grandson endured, jurors not only acquitted him, but also reached out to the family to express their support for Carter. He said in every trial in Idaho, jurors have told him their opinion was unanimous, and he provided the jury's findings from the latest Oregon case, which showed 12-0 to not guilty for every single charge. Quote, when he moved to Sandpoint, he was living the dream, Richard Carter said, noting his grandson had a job coaching football and was working at North 40. The allegations put an end to that, he said. Quote, my wife put it best. It costs nothing for these girls to file these false charges. It costs the defendant everything. He added, quote, these prosecutors are ruthless. They just want a W in their column. Carter is now asking the courts to seal court records in the case. The former Bonner County resident said he wanted to thank his attorneys, family, and friends for sticking by him, as well as the jurors, quote, who sat through the trials and saw the truth. Interesting situation. Moving on, trial date scheduled in child pornography case. This is by Daniel Radford. After a trial delay during to due to changing legal teams, a Sandpoint man is sent to go to trial on a total of 18 charges for accessing and possessing child sexually exploitive material. His trial is now set for November 28th with his pretrial conference on November 10th at the Bonner County Courthouse. 
Each count of willful possession of child pornography carries a potential 10-year sentence and a $10,000 fine. Sandpoint resident Larry Otis King Jr. of 55 was charged after his wife allegedly found multiple photos that appeared to depict child sexual exploitation, according to court records. After confiding in someone about the incident, that individual notified law enforcement the records and indicate. Shortly after, deputies responded to King's residence for an alleged domestic disturbance. When the deputy asked to see King's phone, the deputy testified in an affidavit that he found several examples of, quote, obviously underage females engaging in sexual activities. According to court records, King allegedly admitted that the images on his phone were kids when he was confronted by his wife. During a police interview last October, King allegedly admitted to searching for child porn on Yahoo and to downloading it online, according to court records. On Yahoo? In court documents, Bonner County Sheriff's uh, Detective Chad Vaught said in the probable cause affidavit that King told him he had a problem with child porn for about a decade. King was charged with 14 counts on September 29, 2021, and an additional four counts on October 5th, 2021. King faces up to 180 years in state prison if convicted on all charges. Well, that's, I would say that that's probably a life sentence if he was convicted of 180 years. Moving on Thursday, November 10th headlines, city voters okay tourist tax. This is by Carolyn Lobsinger. City voters gained, gave a thumbs up to the city's proposed tourist tax, setting the stage for a 7% increase in a local option tax on visitor lodging. A total of 2,098 residents, or 64.77% voting in support of the measure, with another 6,525, or 32.15%, voting against. A supermajority of 60% was needed for the local option to pass. Quote, thank you to our voters who are overwhelming, who overwhelmingly passed the, the increase in our tourist lodging tax to support much-needed improvements to our streets and sidewalks and extension of the existing tax an additional 10 years to providing ongoing financial support to our police, fire, and park services impacted by tourism, Mayor Shelby Rongstad said. Sandpoint officials said the, the higher tax was needed so the city could finally accomplish its, a number of long-sought street projects. With the approval, the city's existing tourist tax would be extended to December 31st, 2035, and would increase from 7 to 14%. The increase will go into effect on January 1st, 2023. A little more background to the story in the print version of this, uh, or in the last version of this story, in the last episode, uh, we, we gave the de hard details on it. Uh, if you're interested in those, just listen to the last episode, or, or check out that story online at thebee.com. Moving on, that was easy! This by Daniel Radford. After a slowed counting process due to a write-in appearing on the ballot, the final vote tallies for Bonner County have been posted on the Bonner County Elections website. Senator Mike Crapo received the support of 64% of Bonner County voters with a vote count of 13,348. Democratic uh, Democrat Dave Rothman got 26%, or 5,467. Independent Scott O. Cleveland got 7%, and constitutionalist Ray J. Ritz was the only other candidate to break 1% in the race for U.S. Senate. In the race for U.S. Representative, Representative Russ Fulcher got 14,584 votes from Bonner County, or 70%. Democrat Kaylee Peterson got 5,779 votes to come in just under 28%. Libertarian Darian Drake received a little over 2%. For Governor, Governor Brad Little got 58% of the votes from Bonner County, or 12,136 votes. Independent Amon Bundy came in with just under 25%, or 5,110 votes. 
Democratic uh, Democrat Stephen Height got 15% with 3,121 votes from Bonner County. Constitutionalist Chanty Rose broke 1%, and Libertarian Paul Sand came in just under 1%. For Lieutenant Governor, Representative Scott Betke came in with 66%, 13,427 votes. Democratic Terry Pickens, Manwheeler, received 5,539 votes, or 27%. Constitutionalist Pro-Life got 6%, with 1,295. Republican Phil McGrain got the most votes from Bonner County for Secretary of State, with 14,412 votes, or 71%. Democrat Sean Keenan got 27%, with 5,540 votes. Brandon D. Wolf received 14,795 votes, or 72%, for state controller. Democrat Diana David received 5,046 votes, or 24%. Constitutionalist Mike uh, Misty Gardner, Gardner broke 3%. Republican Julie A. Ellsworth received 15,020 votes, or 73%, for state treasurer. Democratic Deborah Silver got 5,394 votes, or 26%, of Bonner County's vote. Republican Raul Abador got 14,525 votes, or 70% for Secretary of State. Democrat Tom Arkush got 6,174, or 29%. Republican Debbie Critchfield received 14,320 votes, 71% for Superintendent of Public Instruction. Democrat Terry L. Gilbert came in at 5,647, or 28%. Republican Scott Herndon got 57%, or 9,825 votes from Bonner County for District 1 State Senator. Right in, Steve Johnson received 7,409, or 43%. Republican Dale, Dale Hawkins received 2,191 votes, or 86%, for State Representative 2B. Democrat Tom Strochen received 278 votes, or 11%. Libertarian Jennifer Ann Luma broke 2%. Magistrate Lori Muhlenberg was retained with 81%, or 14,057 votes in favor. 3,319 votes, 19% were opposed. Bonner County voters supported SJR 102, an amendment to the Idaho Constitution to allow the legislature to call itself into special session, a power previously reserved solely for the governor, was supported by 57% of Bonner County voters, or 11,366 votes, with 8,508 voters, or 43% against. 13,770 Bonner County voters, 68%, approved the recently enacted law that provides tax rebates to up to $300 for individuals and $600 for couples, lowers the corporate tax rate, and allocates state funds for public education, as presented in the, in Idaho, uh, in the Idaho advisory question. 32%, or 6,525 voters, disapproved. Lastly, the non-property tax for tourist lodging, which levies a 7% tax on housing rentals for less than 30 days, passed with 65% approval. All right, there you go. There's all the hard numbers, folks. Moving on, mistaken clothing leads to plea deal in felony drug case. This is by Daniel Radford. A traffic stop over mistaken clothes has left one Washington man with four criminal charges. However, as part of a plea deal, the other charges were dropped in exchange for a guilty plea and a felony drug possession case. The traffic stop, which occurred on November 16, 2021, led directly to the discovery of a stolen vehicle and methamphetamine in possession of Matthew Lawrence Sidow, 38. The traffic stop followed the report that nine bags of clothes and shoes were taken from the clothing closet in Priest River, police said. The goods, which were not for donation to the general public but had been set aside for donation to a different organization, were estimated to be worth over $1,000. Clothes and shoes had been scooped up by a female passenger of a white Chevy Suburban. The owner of the store contacted Priest River Police 10 minutes later. On the surveillance camera, a woman is clearly seen exiting the vehicle and loading nine bags of clothes into the vehicle, according to court documents. 
Officer Drew McLean respond to the call, responded to the call, and about 40 minutes later saw a vehicle missing paint in the same location as the one caught on video driving down Jefferson Avenue. McLean conducted a traffic stop at about 11.30 a.m. During the stop, the woman said she thought she was allowed to take the clothes. When McLean clarified that that was not the case, the woman offered to return the items and freely gave McLean her contact information. According to the probable cause affidavit, the key mechanism to the vehicle was so altered that could a reasonable person would believe the car to be stolen. A check showed that the vehicle's identification number came back as a stolen vehicle from Spokane. Sidow said he brought a bought the vehicle from the rightful owner and did not have the paperwork, and that the owner died of an overdose about a week before the stop. Boy, that's a hell of an excuse. The vehicle was towed and searched via K9 Alert. The search turned up numerous syringes, including a loaded one. McLean also found a small baggie with what appeared to be methamphetamine next to the driver's seat, according to court documents. Sidow and the woman were taken into custody. However, no charges related to the incident were filed against the woman. Sidow has been facing felony grand theft, felony drug possession, misdemeanor paraphernalia possession, and a persistent violator enhancement. However, he took a plea deal, admitting guilt for the drug possession and saw the misdemeanor and two other felonies dropped. The penalty for the Class 1 drug possession in the state of Idaho is up to seven years in prison and a $15,000 fine. Sidow's sentencing hearing has been rescheduled for late January and will be held at the Bonner County Courthouse in Sandpoint. All right, moving into the last day for the B. Friday, November 11th headlines. Job opening. PR mayor, or Priest River, mayor resigns. This is by Daniel Radford. Priest River is in the market for a new mayor. Kevin Wiley, who was sworn into office on in January, stepped down on November 1st, saying could, he could not fulfill the responsibilities of mayor while working full-time. Wiley, who told the council at a special meeting, replaced Jim Martin, who served in the office for 24 years. Boy, oh boy, a long time. Quote, I didn't realize what it took day to day, and I don't have the time, the former mayor said at a special council meeting called for the announcement. I have decided to resign effective immediately. Wiley, who works full-time as the public works supervisor for the city of Old Town, said it was not an easy decision to make. He's re his resignation was effective the same day submitted, November 1st. Wiley, who has kept his full-time job while serving as mayor for the last eight months, told Priest River officials that he decided to step down because the city deserves a mayor who could focus more of their time on the job. Wiley won the seat in 2021, defeating Tim Simpkins by 10 votes, 166 to 156. Close race. Council President Candy Turner has stepped in as an interim mayor until a new mayor is confirmed. Those interested in the position are asked to submit a letter of interest to City Clerk Treasurer Laurel Thomas by 5 p.m. on November 30th at the latest. Those interested must have lived in the city for at least 30 days, are registered to vote, and are at least 18 years of age. Boy, oh boy, okay. The appointed person will hold the position until the next city city election when the position will be up for a four-year term. The position pays $800 a month. Boy, that's... Oof. Thomas told the B that as of Thursday, she has not received any applications for the position. I wonder why. The letters can be emailed to L. Thomas. that's L-T-H-O-M-A-S, at Priest River. Uh, hyphen id.gov if mailing thomas said interested parties must ensure their letters are received not postmarked but received by 30th by the november 30th at the end of the business day the letters should be addressed to 552 high street priest river idaho 83856 last story for the b idaho lottery delivers book awards to local schools 
New books, new curriculum, and big cash awards are on their way to three Bonner County schools as part of the Idaho Lottery's Do Good programs, Bucks for Books, and Classroom Wishlist. Southside Elementary in Kokolala and Priest Lake Elementary in Western Bonner County are each receiving $2,000 for new book acquisition for their school libraries as part of the Idaho as part of the Idaho Lottery's Bucks for Books program. The Bonner County Bonner County are just two of 19 school, uh, 19 schools statewide which are receiving these awards. Quote, the Idaho Lottery was created to do good for public schools in the state of Idaho, Jeff Anderson, Idaho Lottery Director, said. Bucks for Books is another way we further our do-good mission by promoting early education literacy among younger students. The grant will go a long way to help update school libraries, Leonard, Southside Elementary Librarian, said. Quote, our book collection is old, adult-driven, and lacks variety, Leonard said. This grant is a great way to get us to build more energy and strengthen our students' desires to read books. It will help open our students' eyes and innumerable reading options. Fellow librarian Nancy Bushman of Priest Lake Elementary agreed, quote, We have lots of old books that do not interest today's young readers, Nancy said. This award would allow us to replace old, lost, and well-loved books and purchase two new titles per child to put into circulation. Forest Bird Charter and Sandpoint received new English 101 curriculum textbooks as part of the Idaho Lottery's Classroom Wishlist Program. Students taking English 102 taught at our high school are able to utilize advanced opportunities to funds to pay for the ch- uh, for college credits, said Mitzi Vesicki, a teacher at Forest Bird Charter, who teaches English 102. Quote, the downside is that many students are not able to afford the required textbooks. These textbooks would be housed at our school and loaned out to students who attend our class. The Idaho Lottery partners with the Idaho Commission on Libraries for the annual Bucks for Books in the fall of each year. This year, 19 schools across the Gem State received a total of $50,000 for new book acquisition. Classroom Wishlist is a program where teachers submit small individual projects. Each month, the Idaho Lottery awards $10,000 in projects to teachers for their projects across the Gem State. The America's gold and silver-owned Galena Mine in Wallace, Idaho, is currently accepting applications for a variety of positions, both above and underground. America's gold and silver offers competitive wages, a full employee benefit package, which includes medical, dental, vision, life, and disability insurance, PTO, 401k, and a pension plan. To apply for the many open positions at the Galena Mine, visit www.americasgold.com forward slash careers. All right, everybody, that takes into Shoshone News Press headlines for Friday, November 11th. Headline, larger-than-expected voter turnout for midterm. This is by Josh McDonald. Of the 7,215 registered voters in Shoshone County, 4,199 braved the freezing temperatures to cast their votes in Tuesday's general election. That 58.2% is one of the higher turnouts in recent memory, trailing only the general elections of 2008 and 2020, both of which featured presidential races. That's pretty good. While while nationally it was the midterm election that stole the show, in Shoshone County it was a pair of Shoshone County commissioner races that likely brought the voters out into the Arctic weather. Democratic incumbent commissioners John Hansen and Jay Huber faced Republicans Jeff Zimmerman and David Dose, respectively, and ultimately the voters decided it was time for new blood at the helm of the county, as both challengers secured nearly two-thirds of the votes that were cast. Following their victories, the news press had a chance to speak with both Dose and Zimmerman, both of whom expressed their deepest thanks toward the voters. 
The only other contested race at the county level featured Democratic incumbent Rick Smith being challenged by registered write-in candidate Nick Elam for the position of coroner. Smith garnered nearly 85% of the votes. Prosecutor Ben Allen, Treasurer Kerry Eddy, Clerk Tammy Lewis Eberhard, and Assessor Jerry White all ran unopposed for their respective seats. During the May primary election, only 2,428 ballots were cast across the GOP and Democratic primaries, 1,771 less than the general. Midterm elections historically result in lower voter turnouts, which was what Lewis Eberhard and her staff were anticipating once again. That wasn't the case, and due to the overwhelming amount of voters, the final precincts didn't have their votes counted and submitted to the courthouse until 11.51 p.m., nearly four hours after the polls closed. Lewis Eberhard attributes this to the current political climate, not just in Idaho, but across the country. Combining with that with, that with a pair of important local races, and you have a re- recipe for a larger-than-expected turnout. Quote, I think everyone is a little more is a little more polarized right now, Lewis Eberhard said. We also have two tight local races for commissioner this year, so people wanted to make sure that they voted. Perhaps no city embodies this more than Pinehurst, which usually sees an average of 220 votes cast during the non-presidential elections. This time around, 615 votes were cast in Pinehurst, resulting in the polling station at the Pinehurst-Kingston Lions building running out of ballots not once but twice. And they weren't the only ones. Quote, We ran out of ballots in Pinehurst, Kingston, and Osborne, so then we had to use the express voting machines, Lewis Eberhard said. To use the express, you get a th- uh, you get a thermal ballot and put it in the machine, and then you make your choices on the screen with your finger. Once you're done, the machine prints the thermal ballot out with your selections on it, and it gets counted the exact same way as the paper ballots. Because the paper ballots are printed in a specific manner, the county couldn't simply print more ballots as they ran out. However, due to the large voter turnout and the relatively low number of express machines, folks who waited until later in the day were forced to wait in line for their turn. The state and national races finished almost predictably as the largely conservative base maintained control of the Idaho's top seats, nearly all of which mirrored the results in Shoshone County. Republican incumbents Brad Little... Mike Grapo, Russ Fulcher all won their races handedly. Fellow Republicans Raul Labrador, Scott Bedke, Debbie Critchfield, Brandon Wolf, and Julie Ellsworth all picked up sweeping wins as well. For Idaho Legislative District No. 2, Republicans Phil Hart and Heather Scott were uncontested in their pursuit of seats in the state, Senate, and House, respectively. Republican Dale Hawkins won his contested race for a seat in the Idaho Legislature as well. Two measures appeared on the ballot as well. One was simply an advisory question where voters were asked if they were supported recent tax cuts as well as a funding for education, to which the answer was overwhelmingly in favor of. The other measure, Idaho Amendment SJR 102, which amends the Idaho Constitution to allow legislature to call itself into special session. Uh, currently, the only governor can call, only the governor can call that. As of press time, polls show SJR 102 passing at 52% in favor. Uh, that was already taken care of. All the results are considered unofficial until they are properly canvassed and then subsequently certified. There you go. There's your Shoshone County ones. Moving on, Winter Market this Saturday. Put on your comfy winter garb and check out the Winter Market this Saturday in the Kellogg Middle School Gymnasium. This event is put on by the Silver Valley Chamber, coinciding with their shop small event and helping small business owners who do not have a storefront talk with the community and sell their wares. Locals can pick up their shop small coupon cards at the Winter Market and even even having the opportunity to get some stamps filled at different booths. If you visit G&G's Cookies, you get a stamp if you buy five cookies. Ooh. Hug a bunny at Bunny Huggers, or even simply say hi to Paul and Carol Roberts at Grow Me a Story while sampling some homemade jelly can get you a stamp. What a deal. 
Shoppers using a coupon card can turn their in their stamped cards to the chamber by December 24th to be entered into a prize drawing of locally purchased gift cards from the participating businesses. The winter market will take place Saturday, November 12th in the Kellogg Middle School Gymnasium. Set up is from set up is from 9 to 10 a.m. with the open market taking place from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. If you have questions regarding the winter market or the shop local coupon card, please reach out to the SVCC Chamber Coordinator Becca Holan, Holhan at Becca at SilverValleyChamber.com. Watts Appliance in Pinehurst has been providing incomparable customer service to the Silver Valley for over 50 years. The family-owned and operated business has a wealth of knowledge regarding appliances and the brands they sell. Whether you're in need of a new washing machine or have questions about refrigerators, Watts Appliance is ready to help. Visit wattsappliance.com or stop by and visit at 3 North Division Street in Pinehurst. That takes us into Bonner, Bonner's Ferry Herald headlines for Thursday, November 10th. Just going to recap the uh, election results here real quick, and then we'll get you on your way, folks. Uh, historic win. This is by the Herald staff. County Commissioner 2nd District Incumbent Tim Bertling won a historic race in Tuesday's general election with 2,598 votes as a write-in candidate over the GOP candidate. Steve Fiorovanti, the GOP nominee, received 2,400 votes. John L. White, an independent candidate, received 148 Ben Robertson, the GOP nominee for the county commissioner for District 3, ran unopposed and won with 4,473 votes. For State Senator District 1, Scott Herndon, Republican, received 3,239 votes, and Stephen R. Johnson, write-in, received 1,622 in Boundary County. In Bonner County, Herndon received 9,825 votes, while independent candidate Steve R. Johnson received 7,409. In the county clerk race, incumbent Glenda Poston, Republican, received 4,368 votes and will remain clerk. For county treasurer Jennifer Ikonumu, Republican, the deputy treasurer received 4,624 votes and will serve as treasurer until 2023. For assessor Olivia A. Drake, Republican, a deputy assessor, received 4,616 votes and will serve as assessor until 2023. Chad Workman ran unopposed for county coroner and received 4,593 votes. For District 1 races, a huge number of write-ins slowed the counting ballots, accounting of ballots in Bonner County. While polls closed at 8 p.m., it took roughly midnight for the first round of ballots to be counted in Bonner County. That was due to a large number of write-in ballots, Bonner County Clerk Michael Rosedale said. Oh boy, that uh, seemed like it was pretty common across the, the whole North Idaho area. Ballots coming in late for write-ins. All right, everybody, that's it. Once again, we'd like to thank Heckla Mining Company for sponsoring this episode. Also, we'd like to thank Black Sheep Sporting Goods for sponsoring this episode. To learn more about Heckla Mining Company, please visit hecklamining.com. And you can also learn more about Black Sheep Sporting Goods and the products they offer by visiting www.blacksheepsportinggoods.com. All right, everybody, thanks again for listening in, and we'll see you next week. Have a good weekend.